We at Global Nomad Hacks are peace heroes. By playing Peace and Harmony program during this episode, we help create one million pockets of peace by dissolving stress and tension. To be your own peace hero and get your own copy, go to peaceandharmonydownload.com. Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. My name is Dr. Heidi Forbes Esta, and today I'm excited to introduce to you Eli Adelson, who is the co-founder of the Peace and Harmony Co. Welcome, Eli. Thank you so much for having me, Heidi. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're coming into a month of being in quarantine after meeting at one of the last live conferences in California. And this was a podcasting conference, the New Media Summit. It was great meeting you and your dad there, who I believe is your co-founder. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was it was awesome meeting you as well. I'm I'm so glad we got to connect there. It was a great experience to really see how you guys applied your work. And I would love it if you would just give a little background for our audience as to what is Peace and Harmony Co. and sort of what brought you to working with that. All right. So uh Peace and Harmony Company is uh pretty much a collection of of all these programs that David, my my father and business partner, has developed over all these years. And, and our main focus is getting Peace and Harmony program out there. And right now you can get the free version, download it for free, Peace and Harmony, or play it for free, peaceandharmonydownload.com. And basically what it does is it creates a, a little pocket of peace around you. So it alleviates stress and, and tension. And it's great for arguments. And uh, if you're starting to go crazy with cabin fever or your, your partner's just getting on your, your last nerves during that day when if you're stuck anyway in quarantine. So that's our main drive. That's our main focus is to get this program out there to create all these pockets of peace. And from my perspective, I got into it kind of just on a whim because I, I didn't really want the proper nine to five job and I didn't know what else to do. And after I finished university, he asked me right before I was about to do the whole English teaching, travel abroad thing, if I wanted to help out with, with him. And it sounded way better than being locked in an office, a school, whatnot, for eight to nine hours a day. So I, I just jumped at it and kind of kept going with it until several years later, which is now. <laughs> I love the fact that you work together with your dad. Not everybody can do that. And I think that that's something that people that are in sort of that are working as expats or living abroad often that is an issue of sort of like, how do you find something that fits with the fluid of your life and moving around and the mobility and, and being able to do something that, that has a purpose, but is a profession. And really, I, I think it's beautiful that, that you're able to work with your dad. And of course, you know, peace and harmony feeds into that. Can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned a little bit in the green room about the power of flow. And I think that there's a lot within the Peace and Harmony Institute, or I keep on calling you an institute, Peace and Harmony Co., that's really about flow and creating that in relationships. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So flow is both inner and outer alignment and nature being aligned with you. So it's like your whole inner game is is on point and, and then your outer world starts to match. And all these things kind of just come to you without you actually trying. If if you're talking about in sports concepts, like being on fire, 
are being in the zone are, are good analogies. It's where you're just so on point and, and focused that kind of like you have blinders on and you don't even see all the other things around you. So it's quite amazing, especially for traveling. It's awesome. So yeah, if you're interested later on or, or now, I can give your audience technique that mm-hmm. help kind of get into flow, a short little meditation. Sure. I think that would be great. Okay. So uh, we call it five minutes for a thousand hours because it's supposed to be equivalent to about a thousand hours worth of, of work. And it's, it's super simple. All you do is it's better to do it first thing in the morning because the way your brain is set up and, and it also sets up your day quite nicely. You just close your eyes and, and you think about whatever your goal or intention is. So if, if you want to travel to say Machu Picchu or if you have a financial goal or, or where it is, it doesn't matter. And you just think about that goal and then you think about what it's going to feel like when you've already obtained it, when you've already done it. And then you just notice how you feel and you stay with those feelings in your body and, and just breathe into it and, and just stay with it. And then one of the things that I like to do that helps me is to explore the possibilities. So if it's a financial goal, it's really easy because now what's my life going to be like when I have an extra $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month or whatever the number, then you can say, oh, okay, well, with that money, I can... I can renovate the kitchen, I can travel first class, or I can just shoestring budget for like two years and not have to think about money. And that helps gets me excited about it. But the point is just sitting with the feeling and, and staying with it. And and you can do uh, two or three goals and just spend a couple of minutes on, on each and then slowly open your eyes and get back to your day. And, and it's beautiful because when you open your eyes, you, you're just so so excited and so invigorated that now this is my day and, and I, I can go and, and do these things and, and this is what I'm going to feel like. And I, I find it so amazing to do. I love that. And I think there's so many different ways that one can apply that and in a way that, that resonates for you. So each individual is going to be different in how they use that. You talk about using it for, for visualizing you know better income, or you may visualize it for your next adventure, or you may visualize it for what am I going to do when I, you know, when we can get outside again? You know, there's, right. there's so many different angles to that. And some of it may just be like, you know, visualizing themselves feeling better. I think right now, when you're, you know, when you're either stuck or you're unable to do that travel that you want to do, or you're maybe not able to leave a country because you're fixed there because of whether it's visas or whether it's because of travel bans or whatever it is to be able to visualize yourself beyond that, where you want to go. And I think that that's a beautiful practice. Do you use things like journaling or is it all done internally when you do that practice? For me, we just do it. I just do it internally. Actually, we took it to another level and and we started to do it on a a team level for our our business. And every morning for 10, 15 minutes, we get on a a call, Zoom, go to meeting, whatever. And then we just do this practice together and coming out of it is is really powerful. So if if any of you working with the team, business goals, whatnot, it's it's amazing. And actually it seems to be doing a difference because after the first day we did it, someone emailed us out of the blue and three products and fifty of each, which we didn't do anything and they just came to us. So see what it does for you. And especially in this time of being locked down, quarantine and just 
enjoy and, and try to be easy about it. I love that. I think that that's a really valuable lesson. And, and I hope uh, those of you who are listening will, will take that to heart and maybe try it. You can always, uh, you know, pause, rewind, re-listen, and, uh, and think about how you can apply that to your life. I want to go a little bit into, because you've got a great travel journey story yourself. And as global nomads and adventurers, we love to share people's stories of adventure out and beyond and how it's changed our world. Can you share a little bit with our listeners about your travels and where they took you and, and so forth? Yeah. So um, kind of a brief gist of it is I, I've been fortunate enough to, to start traveling when I was about 20 years old. I think now I've been to around 24 countries, give or take, mostly in Asia, but also Australia and Europe. And it's just been so amazing just going to these places and seeing these different cultures. Like uh, Japan was one of the first places I went to. And I, I, I was so ignorant. Like I didn't know anything I, I thought I did. I was like, oh, I got a book on Japanese culture and I, I read that. But then you actually go there and you see how things work. And, and you notice that when you're about to get on the train, people queue up on either side, the doors open, everyone comes out and then people go in. And so, wow, wow, they're so considerate of each other and so polite in that regard. And, and then like all these little things like that. And, and then once you start to kind of get on, on your game and realize what's going on, then you can really start to play and then you can start to interact with the locals. Like, uh, I went to Mongolia. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. It's amazing. It just don't stay in Ulaanbaatar. Ulaanbaatar is not, not so, uh, <laughs> All the gems in, in Mongolia are outside the city and it's just like lush rolling mountains. And I would get out of the, we had this little Soviet van, kind of looks like a, a box with, with wheels and it goes over everything, like goes through little rivers, goes up like the size of a mountains and, and around. And sometimes you get out the van and they just, you just look everywhere and, and you wouldn't see anybody just be these rolling plains and, and just these the vastness of the world. And then, uh, and then I kind of thought like, this is pretty crazy considering if I'm coming from a city and then there's nobody around and it's nothing. And then there's parts of the world that are just like this. And then we went in, in one of the girls one night, it's like a, a tent, kind of like a, a big tent that they used to pack and unpack to when they were nomadic. Mm -hmm. And the, the host, they're like, Oh, do you want to hear Mongolian throat singing? Mm. Cool stuff. I, I don't know if, if you've ever heard Mongolian throat singing. Yeah, I have a friend who actually performs it. He's Mongolian. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. So I, I had never heard it at that point. I, I didn't know. And I'm just coming from like Japan and Korea where when they would sing for you, it's really beautiful and, and melodic and comforting, right? So for some reason, I, I thought maybe it'd be like that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it, it wasn't. Um for those of you who are listening and don't know, just look up Mongolian throat singing on YouTube and that would be the best way to describe it. So I was all excited to, to hear this. And then they start with a low hum and then get into everything. And, and I just didn't know how to really react to it. It was so interesting, but just caught me so far off guard. I find when I hear, when I hear that, that type of singing, it vibrates in your entire body. And it's like this, there's, there's something very different about the, the tone and the vibration that comes from that singing. It's kind of like listening to the, 
the monks, trying to remember what, there's some group of monks that does a similar sort of throat singing, and it just vibrates in your whole body. It's a very different experience to listen to it. Yeah, you just feel it everywhere. And then we were in the little girl as well. Everything's just echoing around and you just, it kind of takes up your entire being and, and your core. And I, I wasn't quite ready for it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's one of those things where you have to somewhat know what's going on. But uh, it was definitely a, a fun time and, and it was amazing to experience that part of the culture and, and to see that. Whereas I, if I wasn't in that position, I, I wouldn't, if I had just gone on my own, I wouldn't have seen anything. How did you find, because you went to some fairly remote places, and so one of the things that we like to talk about is different hacks to be able to get that sort of real cultural experience or to really get off the path and how to sort of survive through that experience in a, in a positive way, coming out with new perspectives and hopefully not too many injuries and traumas. Right. <laughs> you know, did you go through using a company that, that did the booking for you, or did you just tear through different research to try to find sort of an unusual trip or what was your uh, hack for that? So I'm, I'm actually really bad at research. My, my favorite thing to do in travel is just to go to the place and then talk to the locals there. And when I first started traveling, I was staying at hostels and, and so they're, they're cheap and, and generally the receptionists, they're younger and they, they know a lot about the area depending on where you're going. So I, I would just, make friends with them and talk to them and ask them what they would recommend and, and the things that they like to do personally and, and in their free time and just kind of take their recommendations and go. For Mongolia, it was, uh, I, again, I had booked uh, a hostel, I think it was a guest house, and they emailed me saying, no, we have these tours that we can take you to the Gobi Desert or up, up north to the White Lake near the border of Russia. Do you want to go? It's like, yeah, okay. And it was so cheap. It was like, I think around $280 for about two weeks I went. And there was some other people in the group as well. But it just was the timing. It's like we, we talk about being in flow. It's like I just got there at the perfect time. And, and they even emailed me a day before asking if I was going to like, oh, are you still going to make it? Because if you're, if you're not going to make it on this time, then, then we're not going to wait for you. But mm. if you're going to come, then we'll just have everyone wait another day. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming. They had it all arranged. It was just me getting lucky or being in flow and just picking the right places and, and having them kind of work it out for me. And just seizing the moment, it sounds like. I mean, it's like, oh, here's an opportunity. Let's try it. For sure. Yeah. I, I did a similar thing, well, several times, but one of the one that always sticks in my head, I was speaking at a conference down in Abu Dhabi, and I had an extra day just because of the way the flights were booked for me. And I saw that I was like, well, I only, you know, I'm only here for one extra day. I've never been here before. I want to go do something. And so I, you know, booked a tour through the hotel, which I normally never do. And just said, okay, well, you know, it's a, you know, you want to go out into the desert and you want to go do some of the souks and, you know, do some of these things. So, okay, I'll, I'll do the whole, the whole tour. And we rode camels. We were taken out into the desert and had a tea ceremony. And like, I mean, it was amazing. And it was something I never would have done normally on my own, but I just, I kind of felt like I'm only here for this short period of time and I'm by myself because the other people that I was working with were either still in meetings or had already left and, you know, I'd gone off to other meetings. So I just said, you know, just go do it. And sometimes those are the most magical experiences, aren't they? I I think so. I I think most of the time is 
if we're talking about traveling, you really have to just put yourself out there, like exactly like what you did. And, and just sometimes you might not have the best experience. And sometimes you have the best experiences ever. And it's hard to even talk about them with people because other people can't necessarily relate to it. So definitely travel a hack, put yourself out there. It's okay to be scared. Just go forth and, and enjoy and, and do it anyway and talk to the locals. If you're staying in really nice hotels, I wouldn't talk to the receptionists, but uh, like any like moderate or budget places, definitely they'll be more helpful. Yeah, well, and I would say with a note of caution, because depends on what country you're in, but in a lot of them, you have a lot of scam artists who want to rip you off. <laughs> so you got to yeah, be really sure. careful about sort of, you know, what channels you sort of trust everybody. But th that's not to say that you shouldn't be untrusting wherever you go. But I would just add a note of caution, particularly as a woman traveling by yourself. I've had a few sticky situations for myself where I've had to, you know, find my way out of as well. Oh, I'm sure. That's a really good point. If you're in Bangkok, don't talk to the truck drivers on the street. Those aren't the locals that you want to talk to. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite places that you've gone? You went to, you said Mongolia and Japan. What are some other places that really changed your perspective on being a global citizen and where you might leave your mark on the world or how you might leave your mark on the world? Tibet. Tibet was amazing. And uh, it was just so different from anything I had imagined. Again, that whole vastness and, and nature and everything. And, and then the, I don't know how much I should actually say about the Chinese influence there, but. Say what comes from your heart. Okay. Uh, it's so, all your, you know, it's your perspective. And so that's, that's okay. I mean. And so the, the Chinese are basically trying to come and, and take over Tibet and, and genderify it sending more like mainland Chinese people into it. And uh, they, they drove out the Dalai Lama back in uh, what I can't remember in what year, maybe the 50s or 40s, 50s or 60s, somewhere around there, the Dalai Lama had to flee because they would have killed him and, and they would have taken over. But then they just repressed Buddhism and, and the Dalai Lama so much there. Like we were, we were just driving down this road, like this dirt road, and there's nothing anywhere. And then there was a house there and, and we just stopped and pulled in and I had to get a guide because the way China has it set up is that they won't let you go off on your own there. You need a guide, a driver, mm -hmm. whatnot. And so we just walked up to the house and I thought, like, oh, the, this guy that I'm with, he, he knows these people here. We're just stopping, right? saying hello to some of his friends or, or whatnot. And that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> he just had never met them. He just saw the house and wanted to say hi. So we just walked up and knocked on the door and, and said hi and, and asked him, like, oh, can we, can we look around? And like, yeah, yeah. And, and so he showed us this, this little hut. And, and then he had a pile of kind of, I guess, books or pictures or, or whatnot in near the center of the room or in the side of the room. And then he, he digs in really deep and, and pulls out this picture of the Dalai Lama and, and basically he says like, well, I'm, I'm not allowed to have this. Like this is a, a crime to have it here, but he just cared so much about that and, and followed the Dalai Lama and the beliefs that he's willing to take that risk. And, and that was huge for me. Yeah. Like just seeing that being like, okay, now you're actively being repressed, but you still are hanging on to it. And it, and it just made me think of like times like 
the Holocaust and, and having those heavy moments and being so appreciative that I, I don't have to go through that or experience that. I, I hope that's not in the future for me. But up until that point, it was just amazing to really see that and to see the, the different culture in that regard as well. Absolutely. I think, it, you know, you, you bring up a really interesting point of just being able to see history through other people's eyes and that have lived the, the history and lived the experience. And, and it, it's so often that we just, you know, we get caught up in our own worlds and don't really, if you don't experience it yourself, or you don't experience it through the eyes and the, the stories, the direct stories of people who are living the experience, it's hard to relate to it. And, and it's hard to really get the lesson that comes from it. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. I had a funny experience this weekend. My daughter had an assignment in her film studies course where she was supposed to share a movie that she felt was generationally important for her. And I had to share one with her from my generation. And I shared Harold oh, wow. and Maude. And it was, you know, it was a classic cult film in early 70s. And but there's one piece in there that's just, you know, it's just a flash film where they, you know, you see that she has a number on her arm, right? And for our generation, that's an automatic recognition of she's been in a concentration camp and she has this, she carries this whole history with her. But right, right. for her generation, she's Gen Z. She, you know, she sort of would have skipped over that had we not had a conversation about it because it was so near to us and we, in our generation, we experienced a lot more people who had that direct experience that, you know, it meant something completely different. For sure. And I think that's that's a really powerful thing for all of us to really recognize whether, you know, for us right now in the, you know, the quarantine and this global COVID thing, we're having this experience that's a, sh a global shared experience. It's not a world war, but it's a it's a world experience that we're all going to be changed from. And generations ahead of us won't have that lived experience, but it's something that's really unifying, hopefully unifying the world in a unique way. It's certainly, I think it's a transformational experience for all of us. So hopefully we can all move forward from this in a really positive way. That's what I'm hoping as well. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's going through something hard right now. And if you're, if you're out getting, getting groceries, getting food, you just realize that no one's doing this to you and, and no one wants this to be done to them and, and just be kind to each other because they don't want to be locked down as much as you don't want to be locked down. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about when I was, I was waiting in line in the, you know, the sort of social distancing space for the grocery store the other day and not knowing what was going to be in there when you get there. And for the first time, it sort of clicked for me what the experience was during communism in the Soviet Union, where people had to do that all the time. There wasn't necessarily the distancing, but there was the waiting in long lines to get into the store, not knowing what was going to be there. And for them, it was even worse because they had to do that. They had to wait in that line for each item. It was, you know, here's the the line for the bread. And then, okay, now I'm going to go for the line for, for the butter, if you can even get it. Right. But yeah, I think for the first horrible. time, it really clicked for me of, wow, this is the experience of that weight that we are so not accustomed to. Right, right. And, and the thing is, it, it, that still goes on today in parts of the world. Like I know recently Venezuela was having all these rough times and, and people didn't know if there was going to be food in the store or, or what was going on. And 
just to put that in perspective for your, your listeners is, is that's still an issue for some people and that's still a very real issue that goes on and it shouldn't be in this time period. Absolutely. And I hope this is a, this is an opportunity for us all to do a global reset and really recognize where some of the systems have been failing. So, and actually do something about it, but we'll see how it turns out. Hopefully um, more conversations will help. So Eli, where are you going next? That's a really good question. <laughs> it's, uh, I guess it really depends on this whole circumstances now. I actually was trying to go back to Malaysia to Kuala Lumpur before I, after the event where we met, I just didn't make the time and they announced that they were closing their borders and, and it was too late at that point. My girlfriend lives in KL, so kind of be nice to go back there and, and spend time there for a while. And after that, like a, a holiday in, in Bali sounds kind of nice right now. <laughs> So wait, so you're doing a long distance relationship across countries here at this point? It's it's not supposed to be long distance. That's not supposed to be. It just happens to me. Like I, I was supposed to go back in March, and it just it didn't work out because of everything and the pandemic and quarantine and and whatnot. So I'm definitely stuck here at the moment, and it is now a long distance relationship. To that end, what are some of the hacks that you're you two are doing in order to keep your relationship going and alive in from a distance. We just have to be like, we're just really open with each other. We talk pretty much every day. And, and if one of us has any, any issues, like sometimes I'll be feeling depressed or upset or whatnot. And, and I'll just say, Hey, this is what's going on with me. And, and she'll ask me why. And sometimes I know the answer. And sometimes I don't know the answer. And then we just kind of talk through it and go through there. And, and other days, like she's the one feeling upset. And then just talk through it and, and just work everything out because there's so many things that are under the, our control. The only thing that we have control of is how we, we treat each other and, and what we share with each other. And, and so I, I feel like in a sense, we've opened up a lot more and are able to share more because if we don't, then we'll get into fights and it'll be over something stupid or silly that isn't something to be fighting about. Can you practice your flow principles in a relationship that's, that's remote as well? Are there particular tips that you can provide for those who've been maybe stuck in different remote areas from their partner or from even someone that's in a new relationship. Flow can certainly help. Do you have some tips there? That's a new question for me. Um, off the top of my head, you can definitely do this for the, the flow exercise, the, the meditation that I, I gave before. And then thinking like, how are you going to feel when you're, when you're back with that person? How you want your relationship to be and how, how you feel when it's the relationship that you want and, and listing all the aspects of it. Uh, yeah, you can definitely do that in terms of like keeping things alive. I'm just, I, I don't know all the answers either. <laughs> and I, all I can say is the things that I'm doing and that we're doing is just being completely open and, and talking as much as we can. And then we actually recently started playing, um, Mario Kart. The oh, there you go. Version. Uh-huh. And so like we'll get on FaceTime and be on our phones playing and, and, and that's another way to connect. And I'm starting to, to realize and see the more, the more avenues you have to connect, then the easier things will, will be. But again, it's a long distance relationship. It's a forced long distance relationship and, and it's not a fun thing to, to be in. It's just, this is how we're doing it. I know, um, like you can do Netflix party and watch movies together and, and just figure out other activities. And yeah. then even if you want to like plan something out for the future and like a, a holiday or, or something like that and just 
talk about all the little details, even if you don't ever do it, it's just bonding experience and that can help. But I'm still figuring it out as we go along as well. Yeah, but I love that. And I do appreciate the, the, you know, the efforts that you're taking. I think a lot of people can really relate. And whether it's for a partner or even a family member that may be remote, a lot of us are all separated from the, um, you know, the elders in our family, whether it's uh, even in the same city and they can't go visit or whether they're across the country and you can't help. So I think it's a really good you know, you make some really great points. And it's a really good exercise for all of us to be thinking about of how you can support intimacy from a distance. And actually, we've got a show coming up later in in this season where we'll be talking specifically about remote intimacy. So I'll let you know when that one comes up, because that's going to be a fun one. Anyway, this has been so fun. Do you have any closing hacks you want to share with our audience? Oh, I want to add one more thing about the long distance thing and and, and more so like relationships in general is uh, because we're at such great distances and there's so much that we can't do. A lot of us let our ego get in the way sometimes and like, no, I don't have to say that. Like like she knows that my grandma knows I love her or or whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh, now is definitely the time to, to let your ego down and just share, even if it's difficult, even if it's hard, because everything's up in the air and everything's in question right now. And you just really need to be open with people and let them know that you're there for them if they need you and that you're there to support them. And that can go a long way right now. I love that. And I think that's so true. And on the other side of that, also to express when you need it. Sometimes with our ego, we forget to ask for help and to say. Definitely. Oh, so anyway, thank you so much. What a wonderful note to end on. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today, Eli. And thank you, Global Nomads out there, for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did like the show, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review, and share the show with your friends. We look forward to catching you next time on Global Nomad Hacks. Bye-bye for now.